This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now let's join today's message, Already in Progress. Turn in your Bibles real quickly to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, once you find it, if you would stand for reverence uh, for God's Word. We're going to read verses 7 through verse 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through verse 12. If you don't have it, your, your Bible or electronic device, it should be up on the screen. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this He ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. We pray, Father, that Jesus Christ might be glorified and he might be lifted up so that we might place all of our faith in him. It's in his name we pray. Won't you say amen? Amen. 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 And amen. You may be seated. Well, this is part three in our series on spiritual gifts. Unwrapping your spiritual gift. You'll remember that the first week we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we talked about the diversity of gifts and the differences of ministries and the differences of activity. Yet the same Lord and the same Spirit and the same Father. The same Holy Spirit that distributes the gifts. And then last week we talked about Romans chapter 12, the motivational gifts. We talked about how our gifts of motivation, our personality types, are a blessing. We talked about how uh, our gifts are a benefit to the body of Christ. And lastly, we talked about how our gifts need to be balanced. Because if God has made you that way, you will exercise your spiritual gift. As a matter of fact, if God has gifted you in a certain way, and that's the way you see the world, you think everybody needs to see the world that way. But how many know that with regard to the spiritual gifts, God also talks about unity? Because God is for diversity in the context of us being unified. Everybody's not the same, but he wants everybody to be one. If you understand what I mean, say amen. Amen. So with those motivational gifts that we talked about last week, in order to wrap them up, let me give you a visual picture. Imagine that you are at a Thanksgiving dinner. And everyone with each one of the gifts is sitting around the table. There is a person that grabs the turkey 
And he decides he's going to bring the turkey from the kitchen to the table. But on the way from the kitchen to the table, the turkey falls down on the floor. Well, the person with the gift of prophecy says, I told you I, you shouldn't hold it that way. If you had done what I said, the turkey wouldn't have fallen. Because the person with the gift of prophecy is just going to tell the truth regardless of feelings. Okay? Well, the person with the gift of teaching would say, well, you know, statistics show that if you take shorter, more deliberate steps, you can have better balance with whatever you are picking up. And there's a better chance that that turkey would have not fallen on the floor. Because that person's bent is to give information about the situation. The person with the gift of helps or the person with the gift of service says, oh, the turkey has fallen on the floor. No worries. Let me go get a mop. Let me go get a bucket to clean up the floor. Let me get the, the turkey up for you. Let me, and it'll be okay. The person with, with the gift of giving says, hey, no worries, guys. Thanksgiving is more than just a turkey. I got a little extra cash. Let's go out to eat. Because he has the gift of giving. The person with the gift of administration or the gift of leadership says, you go do this, you go do that, you go do this. You get the table ready so when we are able to put it on, you're the they are shouting out instructions about what everybody should do because their gift, their natural bent is leadership. The person with the gift of mercy I'm just so sorry that that turkey hit the floor. Turkey is, is, is at the center of Thanksgiving and now it's ruined. Well, each person around the table will exercise their motivational gift. And so we need to know that that gift is a blessing, that gift benefits. You need people to tell you the right thing to do so that you won't do the wrong thing the next time. Amen or oh me. You do need to, to learn and to grow and maybe you can do it better. You do need people with helps because you don't want the turkey to stay on the floor. You do need people who are willing to give because the, the, the group may make the decision, we'll go out to eat. And you do need people to feel what you feel because if you're the one that dropped the turkey, <laughs> you're the one that feels the worst. Amen or oh me. So these gifts benefit the body of Christ the way God has made you. And now we move forward to the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, we talk about not motivational gifts, but ministerial gifts. Now before we start talking about this, this is a word I want to give you about these gifts. Because there, there, there is this concept out there called the five-fold ministry. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the five-fold ministry. Now I'm not saying anything against the five-fold ministry. I'm just saying that out there, there's a difference of opinion. In the five-fold ministry, they would say that each one of these gifts... The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher is an office of the church. Well, men and women, there is a difference between an office and a gift. It could be, I'm not arguing the office, but if you believe that this is just an office, then it becomes problematic. And this is why. 
Number one, the requirements for the office of apostle and the office of prophet uh, in the New Testament was, number one, that you need to be a faithful eyewitness of Jesus' ministry and his resurrection. It is difficult in our day and age for someone to be an eyewitness of Jesus' ministry. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. And the other thing is this, that uh, the one of the other requirements for this office was being personally called by Jesus, according to Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says he was personally called by Jesus as an apostle. And then apostles and prophets were given authority by Jesus to do many different things to establish the church, including writing scripture and performing miracles. Now, the authority to get a direct message from God that is equal with scripture is not biblical. So you may find folks in your family or folks in the larger community who will call themselves an apostle and call themselves a prophet. I'm not arguing that you do whatever. What I am saying is that the entire body of Christ can benefit by looking at these verses in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 as spiritual gifts. Because you don't have to have an office or be an officer to have a spiritual gift. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. So we're going to talk about spiritual gifts today, not necessarily offices. And what I'd like to do is to give you a short, brief definition of each one of these spiritual gifts to show you how Jesus works it out perfectly and that he has given us this particular gift for the body of Christ. And then lastly, I want to talk about the purposes of these spiritual gifts. So I want to give the definitions. I want to talk about how Jesus works it out uh, perfectly, but he has given it to us to benefit the body. And then lastly, I want to talk about the purposes of those gifts. Let the church say amen. amen. The first gift is the gift of apostle. Apostle. He says that he has given some as apostles as a gift. Now, as a general context of the book of Ephesians, you can neatly divide the book of Ephesians in, in half. The first three chapters talk about the riches that we have in Jesus Christ. The last three chapters talk about our responsibility. The first three talk about our wealth that we have in Jesus. The last three talk about our walk in Jesus. The first three talk about our position in Christ, who we are in Jesus. And the last three talk about our practice. So what, what Paul is doing as he writes the Ephesians, this letter is, he says, I want you to know your identity and know who you are. And then once you know who you are, you'll know how to live. And the entire book is about the body of Christ, the church. So we've just finished chapter 3, talking about who we are in Jesus. And then at the beginning of chapter 4, he talks about unity in the body. And then he mentions in verse 7 that, that, that God has given each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then in verse 8 he says, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And so what he's saying is, although there's a diversity of people in the church, he's given gifts to the church for the purpose of unity. 
for the purpose of, of making sure we are the body of Christ. And the first gift that he talks about is the gift of apostle. And here's the definition. The gift of apostleship is the special ability to start new ministries and churches, to go into places where the gospel is not preached, and to reach across cultures to establish ministries and churches. This person with the gift of apostleship is the person who, who, who supernaturally, it's just it's starting new things comes easy to them. They have an idea, well, Pastor, we ought to start this ministry in the church. Let me have it. I got it. And the next thing you know, it's started. These people out in the world have the talent or, or the ability to be entrepreneurs, to start things that don't exist. New businesses, new ventures, new activities, new associations. And God has given that particular person to the church. Well, how does that work itself out in Jesus? I don't know if you're aware of this, but the word church or the concept of church only appears one time in the entire Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It only appears in Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 19, when Jesus is having a, a conversation with, with the disciples. And he says, who do men say that I am? Peter speaks up and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, flesh and blood hath not revealed that, this to you. And upon this rock, I will build my church. The church didn't exist before then. Jesus exemplifies us someone who, who knows how to start new things. He started his church and he enlisted, he equipped, and, and he edified and, and called his, his disciples, those who followed him, to have the same kind of ministry. And in Acts, we see that the church is built. But it works itself out. And men and women, you, you, you may be sitting under the sound of my voice and you may be frustrated with church. You, you, you may even think, well, well, church is not for me because you've been racked with all of these ideas about starting new things. And you feel like you don't have a place because nobody thinks the way you do. And what I'm telling you is that God has placed you here because nobody thinks the way you do. And that makes you a gift to the body of Christ. My only encouragement and exhortation to you is start starting stuff. I know that's not good English, but you know what I'm talking about. And stop fixing to. Do it now. Start starting stuff. That's your gift to the body of Christ. Amen or oh me. The second is the gift of prophet. That gift of, the gift of prophecy is the special ability to communicate a message of God to his people through a divinely anointed utterance. And I'll add through the word of God, filtered through the word of God or directly through the word of God. The prophet makes God's heart known to edify the church. Do you all remember Luke chapter 4? After Jesus goes through the wilderness and fasting and, 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 and the angels minister to him and he goes 
and, and it's, it's during the Sabbath. He picks up the scroll and he starts reading and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What Jesus is saying is... You have heard it in the Old Testament. The prophets have spoken. But a greater prophet has come. And he tells the people, Today, this prophecy has been fulfilled. Jesus, throughout his entire ministry, was a ministry of getting prophetic words that have come directly from God to the people. And that is never more exemplified than in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthews chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. Many people believe that as Jesus says, you have heard it written, as he refers to the law of Moses, and then he says, you've heard it written, but I say. That's where he gives authority over the Old Testament prophets to himself. And what Jesus is saying is, I've given you the gift of prophecy. It just has to be my word. And I've given people in the body of Christ the gift to utter those words with power. So that when certain people preach, you are moved. When certain people preach, you are convicted. When certain people uh, preach, you are comforted. When certain people with the gift of prophecy... You feel like that person knows all your business. Because God has enabled them to, to handle the Word of God in such a way that the Word of God meets you right where you are. If you've ever experienced that, say amen. 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 Aren't these good gifts? Amen. amen. The, the third is the gift of evangelist. The gift of evangelist, uh, the definition is the special ability to share the gospel with unbelievers in such a way that men and women, and dare I say children, become Jesus' disciples and responsible members of the body of Christ. The, peop the people with the gift of evangelism or the gift or who are evangelists, uh, they want to witness to everybody. And matter of fact, they get frustrated with church when the church doesn't do enough evangelism. That everything that we do ought to be centered around reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, Dr. Bill Bright, he definitely had the gift of evangelism. And he used to say, three minutes alone with anybody that I don't know, I feel like is a divine appointment to share the gospel with them. I mean, there are people in the body of Christ who are frustrated with the church. Because the church doesn't reach out to the community enough, or the church doesn't share the gospel enough, or the church doesn't do missions enough, or the church, and that's all they can see because God has given them the gift. Don't get angry, get busy. Because leadership in any area is nothing more than this influencing others to accomplish a task in the church in Jesus' name. So you use your gift to influence the body of Christ, and we are all one, using our gifts to do that. Amen or oh me. Well, how does that work itself in Jesus, Pastor Mike? Well, the Apostle John wrote a gospel. 
And in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John writes this, and he says, he, he knows he's at the end of the letter, and he says to the, to, the, to the readers, Many other signs did Jesus perform that are not written in this book, but these were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that in believing you might have life in his name. John, the writer of this gospel, uses all of these occurrences and all of these instances where Jesus has contact with people so that Jesus can say, believe on me, I'm your Messiah. Believe on me, I'm your Savior. Believe on me, I'm your Lord. In John chapter 3, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Many of us forget Jesus is the one saying that. And it was as a result of an encounter that he had with a man named Nicodemus, where Jesus is witnessing to him. And each and every case, either people receive Jesus or people reject Jesus. But make no mistake, Jesus is an evangelist. And he works itself out. Every encounter is either you believe in him or you grow in him or you follow more closely with him or you, you become a disciple of his. The gift of evangelism is so necessary in the church that if you are not exercising your gift, it is not natural for us to, to, to invade people's spaces and talk about Jesus, although we need to do that. Uh, many of us don't. And we need those with the gift to keep presenting that gift before us. Amen or oh me. Amen. The gift of apostle, the gift of prophet, the gift of evangelist. And then there is a gift that some people feel like, and it's true, in the Greek, these two words are placed together, pastor, teacher. They're placed together. So the fivefold ministry has a difficulty there because in the original, this would make it fourfold. Amen. But rightly so, I believe that those that look at the gift can separate these. And I'll tell you why. Some people with the gift of pastor may not have the gift of teacher. And some people with the gift of teacher may not have the gift of pastor. So for our purposes, we're going to divide them and look at them right now. But I am not arguing with anybody who says, well, pastor, that's really pastor, teacher, it's all one. Okay, I understand that. But for our purposes, I'm your pastor. I want to equip you with identifying what kind of gifts you have. Amen? Since it is not an office, we're going to open it up to say these gifts are for women as well. Because it's not an office. We're not talking about that. We can make that discussion, have that discussion some other time. Amen or omit? Amen. So as we get to the, the gift of pastor, it says... The gift of pastor is the special ability to assume long-term personal responsibility for the spiritual welfare of a group of believers. In a phrase, the pastor loves people. And the pastor loves leading people. The same word in the original language here is the same word we get for shepherd. Now that becomes very, very descriptive as we talk about how Jesus works out this idea of the gift of pastor in a perfect sense. 
Because John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. He then goes on and says that the good shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know their shepherd and recognize his voice. There is relationship that goes there. So if you're under the sound of my voice, whether on YouTube or here in person, and you have a love for people, you love to see people flourish, and you love to see people grow, and you love to see people embrace Jesus, and you love having those kinds of relationships long term, you love getting people together, you love having meetings, you love being concerned about people, you hurt when they hurt, you want to practice the ministry of showing up. It's nothing for you to get on the telephone and connect with them. It's nothing for you to text them. You love people because God has given you the gift of pastor shepherd. Amen or oh me. Nobody's saying amen. They may not have got that gift. It's a special group of folk in each one of these. And those with the gift of pastor know that if you have the gift of pastor, you got to wade through people's stuff. You ain't afraid of folks stuff. And Jesus exemplifies that because he says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Last but certainly not least is the teacher. The scripture says here that he has given some of the apostles, some as prophets, some of evangelists, some as pastor teachers. The teacher gift, the gift of teaching, is the special ability to communicate information relevant to the health and ministry of the body of Christ and its members in such a way that others will listen and others will learn. Men and women, the gift of teaching is so important. People flock to good teaching. People love when you can open up the Word of God to them and explain it to them so that they understand. People love to walk away from a sermon or to walk away from a Bible study or to walk away from a conference or retreat and they say, let me tell you what I learned. Normally the person with the gift of teaching is not only a good communicator, but they love research. They love to go deep and to dive in. I was teasing my daughter years ago. She went to a church up in, in Indianapolis. I'm not going to call the name of it because you may have a relative that goes there and maybe might be watching YouTube. But I'll just give you the category. It's a Bible church. And I know about Bible churches. And I said, well, what's your preacher been preaching on? And it was, I can't remember, it was Christmas time. And he says, well, in January, we're going to start on the book of Matthew. Well, I didn't see Candace again in person until way in the summertime. So they started in Matthew in January, and I was teasing her. I said, you go to one of those Bible churches where, where the pastor is this teacher that goes verse by verse. What are you on? Matthew chapter 3? And she got mad. She said, no, Daddy, we're on Matthew chapter 4. <laughs> but their pastor was a teacher. And he wanted to give you the original. He wanted to give you the Greek and the Hebrew. He wanted to give you the background. And he wanted to give you the situation. And, and he didn't want you to miss a thing. So they went verse by verse. And men and women, people love good teaching. In this day and age, in the church, we need all five of these spiritual gifts in operation. 
We need the gift of the apostle. We need people who know how to start stuff. New stuff. Because everything is changing. We need folk who know how to start stuff virtually. We need folk who, who need to know how to start stuff in the media. We need to know how to minister even though we can't be in person. We are not going backwards. Everything is going forward. We need a person as a, with the gift of prophet. Because as everything is changing, there is one thing that will not change. And that is the word of God. We need people with the gift of evangelism. The evangelist who will keep the church on point to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need people who have the gift of pastor. We need to raise up pastors who love people and not use people. We need pastors who will say, I'm going to love these folk long term. I'm going to love them till I wear out. And I'm going to love them anyhow. And lastly, we need people with the gift of teaching. Who can open up the word of God to us and disciple us. And help us to grow and to flourish in our relationships with the Lord. We need Jesus to empower us. And we need the Holy Spirit to occupy our lives so that whatever way he has gifted us, it can come out. Now, I told you I would just speak on two things, and I'm going to be very, very, very short with this. You'll remember in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave him, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. But verse 12 says, For... For is the word for purpose. For is the word for the reason why. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There are only two reasons why God has gifted us in this way in the church. Number one, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And number two, to edify the saints for the work of ministry. And men and women, we need to know what equipping and edification means. We need to know what it means because let me tell you what it doesn't necessarily mean. Chuck Smith says this about this, these two verses. He says equipping also has the idea of to put right. This ancient Greek word was used to describe setting of bones, broken bones together, or to mend nets together. These ministries work together to produce strong, mended, fit Christians because all of us are broken. And he is putting us back together for use. He is putting us back together to make a difference. He goes on to say... God's people do the real work of ministry. Leaders in the church have the first responsibility to equip and edify the people to serve and to direct their service as God leads. The primary purpose of the church in these verses isn't to convert sinners to Christianity, but to perfect and mature the saints for the ministry of edifying the body. A good church is a strong, healthy church. A good church ministers to the body of Christ because people in the body of Christ are broken. The church is not just an army, but the church is also a hospital. Ministering to broken people so that they might get well. Ministering to people who are broken so that when they get well, they can tell broken people, this is how I got well. Come and meet 
the great physician. Men and women, our gifts are for the purpose of equipping, setting people together, and edifying, building them up so that we might be strong. My ministry, the rest of the time that I have ministry, will be to this end. These are my marching papers as a pastor teacher. These are my marching papers as someone who leads to Christ to, 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 to equip and edify the body of Christ for the work of ministry. For too long, I felt like I can do if I just keep on doing, we'll have a good church. No, the Lord tells me if you keep on equipping, you'll have a good church. And men and women, you all have the gifts. Unwrapping them. Unwrap them. Open them. I'll, I'll end as I, I started. Jesus is the only one with all of the gifts. Jesus is the only one who has each one of these gifts in perfection. But thanks be to God that he has given you one. Use it for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let us pray. Father God, we do thank you so much for your gifting today. We thank you for your equipping and your edifying today. We thank you for the people that you have placed in the body of Christ with these gifts. For those that are discouraged. For those that are downcast. For those that are broken. For those that need healing. Father, we say, come Lord Jesus. Heal us. Jehovah Rapha, heal us. Father God, we pray that we would bring you glory as we operate as your children. Father God, I pray that we would embrace the Lord Jesus Christ so intimately, so passionately, that we don't have to urge people to to use their gifts. We don't have to tell people they have to use their gifts. People will be so full, they'll want to use their gifts. Father, I pray that that the Lord Jesus will be exalted. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice that has never received him as Savior and Lord, admit that you're a sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to come into your life as your Savior and Lord. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, amen, Amen. Amen. and amen. Won't you rise up with some energy as we sing.